Well, good afternoon. Um, how are you doing? Welcome. Uh, it's a warm building, isn't it? It's delightfully comfortable. Um, my name is Peter, Peter Starrick, and this is my dear wife, Rosemary. And uh, we are retired church planters. We've been part of the vineyard for 30 years. And um, we are, uh, well, at least we're, we are technically retired, but you'll hear more about that in the seminar. And so um, we've been asked to uh, do this seminar entitled Thriving in Active Retirement, just to check you're in the, the one you wanted to be in. And we'll very much do our best. I, I work on the principle that um, nothing is impossible for the man who surrounds himself with other people to do his work. And in that regard, as well as Rosemary, we are delighted to have Bruce and Lynn Rankin um, with us, who um, uh, at one time, well, they were members of this church, of course, and way before that, they were part of our first church plant. We were just chatting about it at around 1995. We were talking, we met up when we planted down in Surrey. And so it's just a total thrill and treat for us to be able to do this together with them. We're really excited about that. Um, and uh, they're experts in this subject. So um, we will, so what we're going to do is we have, we have an hour and uh, Rosemary is going to begin uh, by uh, saying what she would like to say on the subject of thriving and active retirement. And then I will say a few words and then Bruce and Lynn will come to speak to us. And then um, we would like to take some time for questions, leave some time for that, and ministry. Okay, so that's the plan. Can you live with that? Yeah. Very good. So um, over to you, Rosemary. Thank you. Um, it's great. I wasn't expecting quite so many people. It's great. Um, I just want to start with a verse from Psalm 92. You probably have read it. And it's verse 14. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. So that's a wonderful promise for us all as we um, go on in life. So um, as Peter said, we, we've been in a pastoral ministry, if you like, for um, just under 30 years. And um, for about seven months, we have both been retired from paid employment. We handed on, we were planting a vineyard in Aberdeen, and we handed that vineyard on to a lovely young couple about two years ago. But Peter was bivocational. He worked with the vineyard, you know, nationally. And um, so he retired from that in July last year. Uh, so we spent two months sort of reassessing life and what it might look like thereafter. And as I said, um, you know, we, we um, had successes for the church, but... Um, that took about two years. Uh, we'd been thinking about it for about two years and then 18 months to find our successors. Now, um, throughout that time, uh, there was a lot of letting go going on. I think for many people who've either started a church you know, from scratch or, or started a business even, or maybe you've just really invested yourself greatly in your workplace the prospect of handing on that kind of responsibility and leadership to other people, it means you have to step aside. And um, that can cause huge emotional turmoil. For me, although I, I really did know uh, that was, God was saying for us to do that, it was quite a surprise, actually. Um, but anyway, that's another story. He was saying to do that. Um, it left me really wondering, what is my purpose now? And am I still useful in some capacity? Being, I realized um, that being useful and helpful was quite a big thing in my life. And uh, it was, and it still is to some extent, quite a big transition. I read somewhere that retirement is probably one of the last big transitions for most of us in our lives. So anyway, we handed the church on. We stepped out of that church life for about three months. We were just visiting family and friends. And, and uh, we were also trying to sell our house in Aberdeen, uh, which until that time was quite a prosperous city. But just as we put the house on the market, the oil industry collapsed. And it was then in a depressed 
sort of um, housing market, would you believe? Anyway, um, we felt the Lord had said to us to move to Leicester. And um, that was quite a big step for us, step of faith. But we did find a house uh, there and actually we're really happy there. With our, our, as a little aside, life in the vineyard has taken us around the country quite a few times. So we're now back um, in the Midlands, um, which, is, which is fun. Quite a number of years ago, an old family friend of ours, um, I mean, he was like beginning to retire, and this was probably what was, yeah, many years ago. He said that when you're thinking of retirement, he had three things in mind. Firstly, keep a car on the drive for as long as possible, brackets near public transport. Have easy access to doctors and hospitals. It's a bit scary. And then the third thing he said, um, find a church that you can worship in, which is reasonably close to home. Now, you, we might find the first two a bit debatable but um, as a priority. But I do think the third one is extremely important as Christians. We need to find somewhere where we can continue to worship God. And I'm, I suppose I'm speaking more from having led churches, um, obviously with Peter. Um, you know, you need to find somewhere where you're, you can still worship God. Um, yeah. When we were in Aberdeen, our nearest vineyard, I think the pastors are here right now, was in St. Andrews which was at least an 80-minute drive away. So having come back to the Midlands, it's like, whoa, there are so many vineyards around here. It's, uh, yeah, it was wonderful. When we um, moved to Leicester, we obviously felt we would be part of the Leicester City Vineyard. That church disengaged from the vineyard, and we thought, okay, right, well, what now? So we actually worship here in Trent, which is wonderful. We feel really blessed. So... What I would say is we had done quite a bit of research about moving to Leicester and planning, keeping our ear to what God was saying, uh, open to the Lord's direction. However, in doing that, we moved there, but our plans can be slightly moved a bit. Um, again, as another aside, we did a, in a small group, we did a um, Burns supper last week because it was Robert Burns' birthday to celebrate. And we read some poetry. And one of the lines is, The best laid schemes of mice and men gang after gly. And leave us not but grief and pain for promised joy. He, he, he wasn't the most optimistic person. So um, take the last bit. But um, it's, it was owed to a mouse. <laughs> anyway, that aside, there are just a few principles I think I would like to share, which I hope will just be helpful pointers um, to help us as we either think of retirement or are maybe in retirement. The first, obviously, is, is so obvious. It hardly needs saying, but I would like to say a few things about it. It's just keep developing a deep relationship with God. Again, as a ch you know, having been leading a church, it, it can be very easy just to be reading the Bible um, studying the Bible for other people and for different situations rather for ourselves, you know, for sermon prep and all that kind of stuff. Um, and our personal relationship can suffer a bit. And so when you don't have to do that anymore, um, it's important to keep on reading the Bible for yourself. We used to talk about, you know, building that secret history with God. It's important to keep that going I'm going to get emotional. Um, on and on and on. That's vital. Because we need to cultivate that so that we can still bear fruit and be fresh and green, as the Bible says. Um, so if our identity is not primarily rooted in God, then things like succession or retirement can become extremely difficult because our identity can be caught up in other things. Not, not in God. Um, I was thinking, for me, one of the best examples in the Bible of um, somebody to, to, to look at for an open, healthy relationship with God is David, uh, King David. If you just read the Psalms, they are full of such open, honest um, expressions and the high times and the low times, the bits in between. And... Um, 
you know, it, I think through all this sort of time, particularly, I found that I, w I tend to minimalize difficulties. That I, I don't disregard them, but I think, oh, they'll be all right. God will sort it out. You know, so I don't really maybe work them through <laughs> the same way as David did. I mean, reading the Psalms, he had quite an, an expressive way of life. Anyway, that can be helpful. So keep that vibrant relationship with God going. Secondly, find people who have gone that way before you. Just a few steps, maybe. Um, I think we might call them mentors. Just to help and advise, give a bit of wisdom. Um, I read of one man, he was, he was really struggling with this whole aspect of succession. And he spoke with um, someone just a little ahead of him. And he said to him, well, you know, what you're feeling is actually totally normal. It's, you, will, you will feel a bit down because you're grieving a big loss. You're separating from a love. And, um, you know, if you lean into it, it will lift. I think for us, um, and we can only speak from our own personal experience, and um, we, have, we have planted two churches in our lifetime, so to speak. Um, and uh, the first one particularly, I mean, it was like giving birth to a baby. You know what I mean? It was just like so much part of it. I'm not saying that was particularly healthy, but when we handed that church on, I mean, I was traumatized. I wasn't retiring or anything, but it, it was, it's a big thing. That's all I'm saying. And so acknowledge that and talk to people about it. Um, yeah, talk with, uh, so talk with wise and trusted friends about stuff. So that's sort of mentoring. But the other side of that is coaching. And uh, I was first introduced to this coaching thing, um, probably coming up for two years ago, not quite two years ago. And um, they were running a, a coaching few days here at Trent, and, and I signed into that. And it was amazing. I just thought, this is wonderful. And uh, so... This time last year, I talked to Maggie Parsons, who, who, who has been leading that, and uh, I got the opportunity to be coached. Um, so the coaching thing is you, you just um, have a six-month sort of contract, and you have a, a so it's online, and then someone uh, coaches you through the experiences that you're going through in life. Um, and so it was helpful for me because we were in this sort of transition stage. So you talk about the stage of life you're in, what's important, uh, what aspects of life needs attention, uh, and then decide how to get there. So coaching is different from mentoring because it allows you to think through with the coach helping you, questioning you, uh, think it through for yourself. You take ownership of what's going on in your life and then you take action. So this helps bring focus. So in this um, transitioning sort of time, it, it can really be helpful just to bring that focus uh, into your life. Thirdly, be humble, lifelong learners. I think we need to be willing to learn and discerningly open to just new things. Um, if we stop, I just think if we stop be willing to learn, we may as well sort of curl up in a little heap and not bother, to be honest. Uh, and it is a big challenge, particularly for me through technology and all that. I mean, it's just like every day there's something new. So I can't quite keep up with that. But it's good to keep, uh, um, keep learning. Now, going back to the transition that we had in Aberdeen and the trying to sell of our house, which was majorly stressful, I have to say that. There's just loads of things going on. <laughs> it affected our relationship. And um, after we actually moved to Leicester, we, well, over that summer, it was like, I think I did, I think we did, realize that we needed a bit of help. This is relevant to learning, okay? And um, so we came across this course called Love After Marriage. Some people think it's a weird name, but anyway, that's what it's called. And... Um, we went on a, a, a three-and-a-half intensive day of love after marriage uh, in the autumn of 2016. Nine o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night for three-and-a-half days, and it's intensive. But it was amazing. It was just so helpful for us um, at that time. It was interesting. Um, 
listening to John Tyson this morning talking about blessings because so much about of it, this course, is about blessing and blessing our spirits. I'm a real advocate now. If you haven't been on one, go on one. Um, it is, it, it's positive, you know, because life around us can be very negative. Anyway, what, what I'm saying here is there were new things to learn. There were new tools to take on board and put into practice. And the change that that brought was really worth it. Um, we've participated in quite a few of these courses since. And last uh, autumn, we were asked by Bill and Hillary, who run the whole thing here in Trent, to help them. And um, it's just, I think what I'm saying is, because it was so new, it was a new thing, but it was so helpful. And it's not just helpful for us, it was helpful for so many other people. And I think we've helped other people through that. Um, and that leads me to number four. I'm nearly done. Um, think long term. If you can, think long term. Think about legacy. What can you pass on to other people, to younger people? I try not to get bogged down with yourself. Yeah. Um, but to think about those who are kind of following on. Ask what, what can you give? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And having that longer term vision, it does help. It helps me and I believe helps people to, to carry you on and through into to, to different things. The, so this, <laughs> see, this takes me right back to the beginning because this approach dismisses the whole idea you don't have any purpose, you're not being useful anymore because you're thinking, well, you're thinking of others, basically. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pronounce this man's name properly, but um, I was listening and have read some stuff from Pete Scarosis. You know the man, right? That's fine. He wrote Emotionally he Spiritually Healthy. And some research that he's done shows that the most effective and influential years in, in people's lives are firstly, listen for it, mid-60s. Secondly, mid-70s. And then thirdly, mid-50s. So, um, you know, the truth is this leads us back to that psalm verse, that the verse of Psalm 92, which was, I don't want to misquote it, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will still stay fresh and green. Now, just before I um, finish up here, I think it's partly because we have been in, involved in this lamb thing for, for quite intensively the last six months or so. But um, just one other thing perhaps would help in this whole new arena of retirement or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't really think... Anyway, I won't go there. Together... Um, sorry, I backtrack. Back in July, when we were having our two months to reassess life, um, we went to uh, an afternoon with Bill and Hillary. And the, the training that day on the LAM course was dreaming. And um, we listened to a little uh, a teaching on how to dream as a couple together. So then we went, we spent about 15, 10 to 15 minutes apart and we just asked the Holy Spirit to show us what our deep down dreams were. And then we got back together and we were to share what we'd written. And I have permission to tell you this. Peter hadn't written anything and um, nothing on paper. Um, but, but he then said, you know, I can express it, I think. So he, he just shared it verbally, obviously. And I just sat there astonished because what he said was basically what I had written down. And um, part of what we're doing, like here today, was what we'd written down. It was, it was quite remarkable. So I, I just think, if you want some homework, there's loads of homework in this course, so if you want some homework, take time to write out your dreams do it separately, and then come back together, compare notes, and see if there is any overlap. Pray that there is overlap, but see if there's any overlap. And then decide on two or three things that you'd like to do together, and then make the plans to implement them. That's important. So there also may be some things you want to do independently. That's great. And depending on how much time you have, maybe choose one of those and do that. 
Before you start this exercise, however, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask him to guide you, because he will. I mean, he did for us, and so he will for any of you who want to do that. And I, and I think that's a, a really positive uh, and encouraging thing to do together, particularly if you're moving into this whole new environment. Um, and even if you're doing, just do it on your own. If, if, you're, if you're not married or whatever, just do that on your own, and God will show you the things that he wants you to be involved in in the coming months, years, whatever. Um, and that, that's, if he's, if he's guiding you, that's the best place. So that's my little bit. Um, I read a couple of books for this particular seminar, and uh, one of them is a book by Paul Tournier, How to Grow Old. And uh, it's a helpful book. Um, it's, I find it quite difficult to read, if I'm honest. But I did uh, the title of this seminar. He talks about active retirement, and that's a helpful concept, I find. Uh, that, so that, that's a good book. Uh, this one I found also, you might like this, Finishing Our Course with Joy. Some of you, if not all of you, have probably read that. Aging with Hope by J.I. Packer. And it's a straight read. I, I've read it in, in an afternoon. I read it on Saturday afternoon, actually. Uh, again, it's just, it expresses many of the things on our hearts, I think, that uh, we know that we're not done when we have to make changes. Our background is church ministry, and so that's why Rosemary's been talking about uh, church planting and us stepping down and handing on churches and so on. And um, Bruce and Lynn will talk to you from a different background as well. So, uh, I basically what is retirement like Rosemary I find it really a very stressful process and it's coming to an you know we're coming out of it now there's light at the end of the tunnel of the transition but I did continue to work for the vineyard uh, in-house um, uh, with the trustees for about 18 months after we handed on the church and uh, in that period I have to say I mean Rosemary kindly attributed part of her stress to the Aberdeen depressed property market. The truth is, I think, the real stress was me. Uh, I was like a bear with a sore head. I didn't know what to do with myself at times. And, um, and I'm so thankful I took advice from Rosemary to not ditch both jobs at the same time. You know, just to... So if you happen to be bivocational or trivocational, whatever, I think it is good advice generally to keep, you know, stagger the, the, the stopping if you're thinking of, uh, of doing that. Because retirement, I think, uh, Bruce and I chatted earlier, to me it means really one thing, and that is the end of paid employment. That's what it means. And it coincides usually, and it's true in our case, with um, reaching, I mean, I'm 65, and so, you know, I've got one or two aching joints now, sort of my body's telling me it's not getting a bit older. So you're having these two big changes coincide. And for that reason, I know as Christians, we don't really like the word retirement. But I do think it's helpful in a practical sense to identify a significant life change, if only we have the time to, to, to deal with it. And, you know, looking back on it, um, over the summer of last year, I, I, as Rosemary said, I retired beginning of July. And uh, we took July and August off, really, didn't we? We just... Um, enjoyed ourselves and tried to think a bit about the future. So if you're looking for the, the holiday period of our retirement, so far it was July and August last year. And since then, actually, we've been quite active. And I just, uh, I mean, I, I've got too many notes here, so I'm going to abbreviate them. There are public statistics in Age UK to show that the age group, the main constituency of, of this room, is growing in numbers and in the next 10 years in the UK is going to grow very, very much. And uh, these numbers are reflected basically in the church. So I can just summarize the stats that way. So I think it's really important that we um, remain active. There's, you, you, you can read Age UK, there's a man called Peter Breardley who is a church statistician that some of you may have heard of, if not all. He's written a report called Generations of Older People. And that shows that uh, people aged 60 plus represent 41% of church attendance across the UK. And that number's rising dramatically. Uh, you know, so it's really important that we get to grips with who we are and what we're for, because we're not just going to sit around and uh, degenerate. I mean, the, obviously, the, the teaching of the world can be 
um, that you just sit back and rest on your laurels and you know uh, go on holidays and do all that if you can afford it. But it's not. It it's just not. It's not the the truth. It's just a lie. It's a, a deception. It's something you need to, to take authority over. As authority was a theme, wasn't it this morning? And um, so, just want to say that uh, the Bible. I can only find one reference to retirement in the Bible. It occurred in Numbers chapter 8, verse 25, talking about the Levites working in the tent of meeting. You may know the story. Um, and they were instructed, the Levites, they began their service in the tabernacle uh, at the age of 25. And they were required to step down at the age of 50. And so clearly, that's retirement, isn't it? After 25 years' service. But that doesn't mean that you and I can hand our notice in at work when we reach, you know, the big 5-0 sort of thing, because the Levites were clearly instructed in the passage to continue to assist their brothers. They still had jobs to do. It's just that their role changed. And that's really what Rosemary's been talking about and what I think we're all talking about today. It's how do we adjust to role change rather than stop doing things. Um, the Bible is full of examples of people. Moses led the Israelites up to the his death at the age of 120. Uh, who was it? Methuselah was fathering children, but older than that. So, I mean, old age meant something. It's big numbers in the Bible. And we just need to keep active and learn that we have a contribution to make. I would say to you that getting older is not for wimps. I think it's really difficult getting older. And um, it brings a loss of hearing, loss of sight, you know, loss of strength, all these things. And uh, it's very easy to buy into the idea that it's all about decline and decay. But terribly important we resist that. You know, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 4.16 writes, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yes, I am. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You know, and in the Old Testament, Caleb had a different spirit when he was 80 than he had 30 years earlier. He was up for more, you know, activity in, in doing what God gave him to do. So, um, I believe that there are, if I may call it retirement, you know the transition that I'm referring to now, I think it's an age that opens up for us the chance of bearing tremendous fruit. I think, for me, it takes a period of reflection, um, uh, of how, to, the, the tension for me is, how do I basically live within my own skill sets going forward, because I'm not of the view that I should start to become a lumberjack or um, even, I mean, I'd love to play the piano, but it's not going to happen, do you see? To stay within the sort of things that God's given me to do and called to do, but I don't have the energy to do what I have been doing, and uh, I also want to see others develop, you know, younger people, and Rosemary referred to the dream um, that I didn't write down but which I do know, and that is simply that God's called uh, Rosemary and me together to contribute in some way to pastoring pastors. That's it. Now, that can sound, oh, really? Well, no, but that's just what he said. And I, I was quite clear on it. I was able to remember that. You know, I didn't need to write it down. And that was all he said, really. And I just get so excited by that. It's actually kept me going through a difficult phase. I give thanks for that, because that happened in the first month um, of my retirement, if you like. I think it was July we met. And it was, in a way, such a surprise. I didn't know what we were going to do that day, but it was such a surprise, and it just gave me life. And I pray for all of you. We want to minister today. I pray that you just get moments to just, you know, get life in this age, because it's only in the church that we'll take time to see that we all receive the life of the Holy Spirit. You know, and uh, that's very important for me. It's a fruitful age. I would also quote Psalm 92, 14, you know. Um, I do like the, the quote of the, um, the Swiss mountain guide, the, the epitaph on his tombstone of the Swiss mountain guide said this, he died climbing. <laughs> and I've written it down. He died climbing. That's it. Yes, please. Um, preparing for retirement. How, how do we do it? Well, 
Rosemary's dealt with it really, but live one day at a time, but then that's how we're meant to live anyway. We, the sermon preached in this church, we now attend this church, uh, on Sunday was basically we are dependent upon God for our very next breath. So, you know, I won't do it now, but if I asked you all to hold your breath now and timed you, you'd get an idea of what that means. Um, I believe in retirement, my call doesn't change in essence. Yes, I'm no longer a senior pastor, praise God. Younger guys can do that. Uh, we joined the vineyard in 1987, and we have always since then sensed a call to, uh, amongst other things, to just help John and Ellie Mumford, who used to be the leaders of, of Southwest London, where we were, and then the vineyard, and so on. So you heard from them this morning. And basically, you know what Rosemary and I are doing at the moment? We are organizing a hotel for John to get the national leaders that he referred to this morning together. Um, in Portugal, would you believe? Uh, and that, that's meant to be because it's cheaper, I should hasten to that. Uh, but we're just organizing a hotel. It's entirely voluntary. And I think voluntary is a, a key word when it comes to the retirement stage. You can't expect payment. Um, and just help. Do what it takes. Just help in that way. Now, that's something, a continuation, really, of what we believe we were called to many years ago, just to hang out and see what we can do to help the Mumfords and, you know, uh, keep going forward. Um, that's just a small part of it. I would also say, since retiring, I, I, one of the reasons I did retire was that our lives, our married lives, have been by and large lived around my agenda. That's the reality. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just, it's just an observation. And I come to the point, especially now that we have, uh, well, we have two sons. They've, they've got fabulous wives. Uh, they're, they're both, they're all Christians. They all attend vineyard churches, which is not compulsory in the Stark family. Uh, uh, one's in Balham in London, the other's in uh, Copenhagen in Denmark. And um, great grandkids. And I, I just realized that a life change, the way I have done life, has hopefully worked to some degree for us, but it needs to change. There needs to be a reprioritizing. And um, I want to see my wife blossom. Do you see? And I'm, I'm thrilled. What, I, I am more in love. I'm falling more in love with Rosemary. Each day. Each day. And uh, just, this is a wonderful phase, honestly. And I'm just, I'm just sharing this with you. Um, what else can I share with you? Reprioritizing, encouraging Rosemary. I've also fallen more in love with the church and with Jesus. Um, we went through a difficult time having handed on the church where uh, I couldn't find a church as good as the one we'd just given up. You know, and so therefore, um, I went to that phase. But uh, I love. We went through a phase of transition, which Rosemary's described, and I was at a loss for personal identity for a while. And then we now worship at this church, and we got a. We got an email through one day, inviting us, to a leader uh, an evening for, potential small group leaders, and I'm going, yes, God. Finally, I have a peg to hang something on. <laughs> I am a potential small group leader at Trent Vineyard. And I tell you, that meant I wept. Thank you, Jesus. It's these sort of things that matter in the transition, I believe. And I'm just telling you a bit of my story. Um, uh, what else say? Yes, the, the, the other thing I want to say is, a couple of other things briefly. I believe that living life in the vineyard, as you have done and we have done, is a fantastic preparation for retirement. Because we do get the opportunities to go on and serve the Lord in the kingdom. I mean, the kingdom of Jesus, somebody once said, is a whole-of-life policy. I think it was an insurance salesman who said it. It's a whole-of-life policy. And, you know, if we just suddenly did, if suddenly for some reason God... If God was not first in our lives, just because we got to 65 and handed on a church, um, 
That would therefore mean that my marriage would suffer. You know, everything that is essential because I put God first, marriage, family, everything else, would get relegated. So we have to find a way to keep putting God first. It's far from resting on our laurels and what's gone on in the past. And so that's, I just think the vineyard teaches us how to handle transition. And the second thing, importantly, Rosemary said it, I want to underline it, is whatever we do in retirement, if we're going to move geographically or um, you know, make some big changes, surround ourselves with people. Because uh, my big fear is loneliness. You know, um, that, that, that's the thing. I, I'm an only child. My background, my parents are gone. I'm the, I'm the single top of that family. And that's the big fear. And I just love people. I'm a people person. So uh, part of our move to Leicester, for reasons of geography and so on, was just to be around people. And, and uh, that's why I've done it. So that's really important. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. And now, Bruce and Lynn, can we... Ask you to come. <coughs> okay. Um, well, we've heard from the professional pastors. <laughs> we come from the viewpoint of people who had full time paid jobs and voluntary leadership roles within the vineyard. I say that. Um, some before Vineyard, but we came to Vineyard in the mid-90s. But prior, while that was happening, we were living in Kent. Um, I had a job in London, in the city, in the finance world. Lynn was a primary school teacher working full-time. We had two children, one of whom sort of lurks around the Vineyard now. Um, in fact, both do. Um, our son and daughter, both, both in the Vineyard, husbands and all the children all part of the family, which is fantastic. Anyway, as Peter mentioned earlier, around the time of the mid-90s, we found Vineyard, went to their church, spent three years doing the usual stuff, moving tables out of the cafeteria, and putting them back in again, doing whatever was necessary. Three years on, we actually then were part of a Vineyard church plant into the town of Sevenoaks, where we happened to live. We were on the core team of that, very small team, doing that, and in fact, midweek, the church lived in our garage. It had to go somewhere, so it was in our garage. I retired from the full-time paid work in 2000, so it's a fair time ago. But for the next few years, I carried on doing part-time consultancy, which actually slowly ran off. Mm. Um, in 2002, we felt prompted to move to Derbyshire. Both the children got married in the same year, and it was that kind of, ooh, what are we going to do now? Is that better? Oh, dear. Um, so we moved to Derbyshire. Um, I gave up teaching because I felt that we were going to plant a church. It was I'd been to Spurgeon's College to do um, church planting and evangelism. Um, I had this in my heart. Even when we left the Baptist church, I said, we're joining the vineyard because it's a church planting movement. And it was something that God had really placed in my heart um, so we moved, um, we hung around for a few months, and then we gradually drifted over to Trent here, although we were sort of three quarters of a mile, uh, an hour away, and got stuck in here in the various things that were happening. In 2007, um, James and Jen came to us, and they said, we're going to plant a church in Cardiff, and we would really love you to be part of the team who go, if it's God's best for you. So it was that um, moment of, hmm, where do we go from here? We were very happy. We'd only been in Derbyshire six years, and we were very happy there. We made good friends, and uh, it was a bit of a wrench. But um, gradually, God spoke to us about it. And um, the church planting thing, he also spoke to me about. And it was, a, it was a verse from Kings, which I know was spoken to King David. But you know sometimes when God speaks to your heart, and it was about... Um, well done for having building my temple in your heart, but it's not going to be you. It's going to be your son. Um, he will build the temple. And it was kind of, oh, my goodness. You know, I sobbed and sobbed. And reading it again the other day, I thought, isn't God good that he would send me on this church plant? So I get to do church planting, but it's not all about me. It's, um, 
just part of the team, which is amazing. So yes, we went through about an 18 month period asking the question, should we move, shouldn't we move? Because getting on towards the age Peter's now retiring, I was 61 then, and then we felt, yes, we were assured, we felt certain, we had dreams, we had words of knowledge, that we should move to Cardiff. It was, in many ways, the same sort of things that you experienced, because we were coming with a young team, all in their 20s and 30s. We had good friendships up here. We were very heavily involved at Trent in various ministries. And suddenly, we were leaving all the friendships behind. We're going with a team who was no one in our peer group. So we were faced with the prospect of rebuilding our lives entirely, developing new relationships, and actually finding somewhere to live. We looked in Cardiff, but in fact in Derbyshire we lived in the countryside and we ended up living just outside Cardiff in a village, beautiful village, just in the Vale of Glamorgan. We feel actually that our call was not only to the new Cardiff Vineyard Church, which was being planted, but to that rural community. Rural ministry is extremely hard. I don't know if any of you live out in the countryside. It is difficult, it takes a lot of time, it's years building relationships before they even begin to trust you to even ask the questions. But anyway, that was our ex experience moving into the village. Also, church planting, as many of you know, is a blank sheet of paper where you get stuck in, you do everything and anything that's necessary. I mean, one week I was on the creche with the little babies. Uh, I was also a trustee, did the finance, all, all the bits and pieces one does. I suppose... Realistically, I, I'm more in the background, finance background. Inevitably, inevitably, you get called on to be a trustee, do finance, what have you. But together, we were involved with initiating ministries. And don't want to boast about what they were, but what you do is we ran Alpha courses, started off a storehouse ministry, etc., etc. But the one sadness that we had when we moved and found this nice little cottage in the village was we weren't able to continue doing retreats that we'd been able to do from our house in Ashbourne. We had some good-sized rooms there. We used to get teams coming out from Vineyard here for away days. Sometimes big, small groups came out. And we just weren't able to do that. We didn't have enough room in our new house. So that was strange. We weren't sure why God had done that. But anyway, Lynn will pick up the story. Hmm. Therein lies another little story. I found myself um, in the house next door, which was just over the field, having coffee with a friend there one day. And um, I ended it. You know how something comes out of your mouth and you think, how did, where did that come from? I said, Jill, you know you'd like a smaller house and we could do with a bigger house. What about swapping houses? And she said, great idea, which surprised me really. Um, so I went back to Bruce and I said, I've just agreed that we'll swap houses. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of fell off his chair and said, oh, it means taking on a mortgage again. And I don't know that that's the right thing. So anyway, we talked about it and it, it sort of lay fallow for a week or two. And then um, one can I, day... Can I just say, it, I hadn't even been in this house. No, so. no. Actually, I'd only been in the kitchen and it needed a lot of work. <laughs> To be honest, but you know how you get that sense sometimes. This feels right, mm, maybe. Um, so anyway, um, we put it on hold. And then one day, uh, Bruce was talking to James, who said, are you sure you can't, Dad? Are you sure you can't? And of course, that was a, like a red rag to a bull. And he <laughs> sort of took it up again and inquired. And yes, it was possible to get a mortgage. And we sort of went ahead. But it was interesting, on the uh, Friday... Um, before the Monday, when they were going to stop giving mortgages to people of our vintage, the guy from the um, Building Society phoned us up and said, if you don't sign up now for your mortgage, by Monday you'll have missed the boat. So we quickly signed up. And, well, this um, was half past four on the Friday afternoon. <laughs> so we felt God might be in that. And uh, Anyway, we moved, and it was in a state. As Bruce would say, we kept the walls. That was about it. And took about eight months. We wanted to do it quickly because we didn't want to say, oh, we can't be involved in the church because we're doing our house. Um, so we got on with the job and lived in a caravan for a bit. And um, it ended up with a great house. And we were able to do, um, you know, alpha away days and all those sort of things in it now, which is, is great. 
And um, yeah. So I, so I suppose the purpose of saying that is that we felt looking backwards, God was on the case all along. If we hadn't gone to that first cottage, we'd never have found the bigger house. It was never going to go on the market publicly. And so all along, as we look backwards, we see God's fingerprints all over the story, which mm. is very exciting. Mm. And also, I think, moving to Derbyshire, I sometimes think, well, we were only there six years. What was that all about? But I think if we hadn't have made that move then, then we wouldn't have gone on to Cardiff, which we were very unsure about. You know, Welsh, and it rained such a lot. It's been amazing there. Um, then, of course, in 2015, I had a major health blip. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer out of the blue. And, of course, that stops you in your tracks, doesn't it? And you kind of think, oh, you know, uh, lots of questions. You know, does God heal today? All those things that you know, yes, he does. Um, where is he? What's this all about? And, and where? Anyway, that was about a, a year, I suppose, I was out of action. I'd creep in the back of the church and sort of hope nobody would breathe on me or sort of hug me or anything during the chemo. Um, and my confidence and my capacity dropped. Um, but then I was asked to uh, be involved in an EY plus group, which is, was a group for older people, 35 plus, because it's a very young church, um, <laughs> who were going to give a day to the church. And that was great. I so enjoyed it. I mean, it nearly killed me because I, I don't think I was really up to it. But it was just a coming back into things slowly. Um, and uh, yeah, I think sort of 18 months on, I'm still working out where I fit. I can't do the things that I used to do. I don't have the capacity to do them. But I think it's probably more one-to-one -one stuff, both within the church and within the village that um, God's bringing me to. And we were also really excited to be involved in um, Cause to Live For. We were asked to go as part of the enabling team, you know, the elderly enable the younger ones. But it was so lovely to be invited, and it was such a great time. So, yeah. Okay, so in conclusion, what can we say? Um... Since retiring from full-time work, what does that mean? I think it just means you don't get paid for what you carry on doing. <laughs> Life seems to have been just as busy. It's more varied. Never know what's around the corner. Very exciting. Um, I think what we've really done in the last eight years since we've been, no, nearly 10 years since we've been in Cardiff, is initiate things from our experience. You, drawing on what we've done before, starting an alpha course, getting a team going, handing it on, starting another ministry, getting it going, handing it on. So it's picking up on the themes I think Rosemary was talking about is you, you use your skills, you get the teams, you enable them, you're there to, I don't know if coaching or mentoring, whatever the right word is, but you're there for them, getting them off the ground and getting them going. Because in a growing church, what you constantly need is new leaders. And that's the role. That's what we've got. That's the skill sets we've got, the experience we've got. And I think that's key. Use it. Um, we've gone from a cottage industry to a, what is a processing machine now. Not on the scale of Trent. Let's face it, there's nowhere like this in the vineyard in the UK at the moment. But we do need just to get better systems in, ensuring that we do train the leaders, give them space in which to expand and grow up. James always tells us there's no retiring in the kingdom. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> so that's our, our journey. I'm still doing the trustee stuff and not quite so much of the finance, but a lot of the financial plumbing work behind the scenes and getting involved with that. What would I say? Beware of settling for security, safety, and comfort. That's a killer. That is an absolute killer. Got to always be prepared to take on the, the new thing. I suppose in my case, we meet on Sundays in an art centre, which is a converted Welsh um, chapel. And two years ago, we talked to the trustees of that, and they like what Vineyard are doing there. And so they've invited us to actually run the art centre. So on the committee of that. I was involved with Mortcross when I was here. It seems that's a recurring theme in my life, getting involved with art centres, but there we go. So it's a new thing. Um, always look out for the new thing. And I suppose the other thought is, and it just occurred to me as I was thinking about this this morning, we are on a long journey um, between here and heaven. 
We don't know whether tomorrow will be the most important conversation we'll ever have on our journey. We might change somebody's life who will be echoing down the generations, potentially changing the world. So we must never give up, to quote Churchill. We've got to keep looking, keep asking, and keep growing. Yeah, and just finally, just a couple of things. Um, I've been rereading The Resilient Life by Gordon MacDonald, and in it he urges um, people who are in the second half of life, because that's what the book is about, um, to find friends, to challenge, to support, to encourage, to rebuke, to have fun with, and to seek God with. Um, I don't think we're good at doing it, but we are working on it because we know that it's actually important. People who will be around you and support you. There are plenty of people who need your time and your energy, but having those friends is really important, so we're working on it. Um, it's been hard for us because the church has been so young, um, but we are, there are older people coming, and we're now starting a 50-plus group. So that, that's, we'll see where that goes. Not quite sure, but... Uh, First starting. meeting on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's right, for food, always good. Um, the other thing we've been doing is the, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, um, which Rosemary mentioned, and it's amazing. Um, it's all about keeping going for the long haul. It's about putting rhythms in your life that can keep you connected with God. Um, we know ministry is important, but ministry isn't the most important thing, is it? It's our, our time with God. And it's, it's got real good structures for, for working on. And the other thing is it talks about Sabbath. And I don't know about you, but I don't think we've been really good at Sabbath and working out what that looks like. It's not only time with God, but it's taking time to replenish and doing those sorts of things. And I don't think I'm that good at replenishing or even knowing what... Um, helps me to re-engage or, uh, yeah, or feel better or whatever mm. the word is. I can't think of the word, but say senior moment. But you know what I mean anyway. Um, yeah, I was um, just finally, really, um, I was struck last week by what Tessa Jowell said in the House of Lords. I don't know whether you saw it. She's got a, an operable brain cancer. And she said, what gives life meaning is not only how it's lived, but how it draws to a close. And okay, you know, a life isn't drawing to a close, but we are in the second half of life, and um, certainly near the, nearer the end than the beginning. And I think it's just something to ponder on, that we should aim to finish well. And of course, I have to finish with St. Paul writing, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus.